In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. At the beginning of the readings, I asked you to focus on the idea of the Word of God in all of the readings. The Word of God. And we are going to speak about the power of the Word of God. And why this is important about the Word of God is that we have to remember that we were created in the image and likeness of God to be like God. And to be like God in many ways, um, to be like God in our virtues, to be like God in the way that we uh, interact with one another, how can we be like God? To be compassionate, to be uh, peaceful, to be full of joy, to be righteous, to be holy. Uh, these are all ways that we are also to be like God. And we become icons of Jesus Christ. When we look at our icons, this icon of Jesus Christ printed on this cloth, we kiss it because we are not kissing the cloth or the, the colors on the cloth or the icon in general, the wood or the paint. We kiss the one whose image is represented there. Right? This is easy for us uh, in the Orthodox Church to understand and grow up doing this. It's a symbol. It's a symbol in that it's not Jesus. This is not Jesus. But this represents a window to heaven. That's what the icon does. And St. Paul writes about Christ that he is the icon of the Father. We've never seen God, the Father. No one ever has. But we've seen Jesus Christ who is an icon of the Father and Jesus reveals the Father to us. We are icons of Jesus Christ. And we are the ones who in the image and likeness of God are, are called Christians. Little Christs. Or a piece of Christ. And so when we speak about the power of the word of God, we have to understand the power of our words. And that our words are, uh, as we heard last Sunday in the Catholic epistle about the tongue. It's a world of iniquity. St. James said about it. It's a world of iniquity. With it, we praise and glorify God. And with it, we curse man. And it can't be this way. That's how we see a broken image, a broken image of God in that type of a tongue. The power of the Word of God, for us, we see the power of Jesus Christ. Now when we think about words, we think about words and actions as being separate. But the Word of God is the same as His action. And there's no separation between the Word of God and what He does. So when he says in the beginning, let there be light, he was not just talking, there was light. This is when we understand Jesus as the Word of God. It's a difficult image, it's taken from uh, Greek philosophy, the idea of the Word um, uh, being God. And the one who made, took the Greek philosophy and, and united it with God was John, John the Evangelist. In the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This idea that's manifested in the Greek philosophy, the Word, the rationale, the, the power or the action, all of that, uh, St. John said, this is Jesus Christ. And in the readings, even from last night, if you were able to attend Vespers, last night, the centurion sends for Jesus Christ to come, and, or to, to heal his servant. And as Jesus is going to him, the centurion sends uh, somebody to him and says, no, 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 no. 
I am a centurion, I am a, a man of authority. When I say, say to somebody, come, come, when I say go, go, don't come to my house, I'm not worthy for you to come. Only say the word, and my servant will be healed. And in our, in our communion prayers we say this, only say the word, and my sins will be forgiven. So last night we have the power of the word. This morning in the Pauline epistle, the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God did not see equality with God a thing to be grasped, but took the form of a servant and made himself obedient, even obedient to death. We're talking about the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who came down and, and humbled himself. And St. Paul writes about the humility of Jesus Christ. This is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. The, humili- the humiliation, we can say, not just humility, the humiliation of Jesus Christ coming down, and then his exaltation. At the uh, end, he says that at the, knee, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. So our words also are calling into mind the mind of Christ and the words are words that respond. The Catholic epistle uh, spoke about from the word, the very first line, the word of the Lord endures forever. And then the Acts, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And then in the gospel, what do we see the word of God? The word of God says, Lazarus come forth. And some of the fathers say that if Christ did not specify Lazarus, then everyone would have risen from the grave. Right? This is the power of the word of God. In Isaiah 55:11, Isaiah writes a prophecy about God and says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall never return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and, pr- and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So now when we think about this idea of what is the Word of God? What is the Word of God? We'll get a little technical. So we talk about the Greek word, the logos. Logos, that's a, a Greek word, but we see it in a lot of our... Um, uh, English words when we say biology, chemist, uh, biology, geology, philosophy—not philosophy. Any word that any word that ends with logi, so biology, logi. So word, uh, it's the the study of. And the word logos doesn't just mean the spoken word, but it means the thoughts and the actions associated with that word. Just like I said before, the word of God performed what it said. The Word of God did what the Word was saying it would do. And this is an important point we're going to get to when we talk about the liturgy in a second. The Word of God is equal with God. And St. John says, all things were made through Him, through the Word. And nothing that was made, uh, and nothing was made that was made. So all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So all things were made through the Word of God. And when we ask, why did Jesus Christ come to save humanity Why wasn't the Father, why wasn't it the Holy Spirit who came and took flesh and became incarnate? And the answer is, Jesus Christ came because He was the one who created us. He was the one who made us. And because He created us, 
He created us to be in union with Him. St. Athanasius writes on the Incarnation, he says, humans were immortal because of their relationship or their union with the Word. The Word created humanity, and because of our relationship with the Word, we were immortal. But when we sinned and death entered into the world, death entered into the world because of that union that we had was broken. So Jesus Christ comes down again to reestablish that union and to recreate us again so that we can be in union with Him. The power of the Word of God which we are speaking about is the power that has recreated us to be that which we were supposed to be from the very beginning. Now, you and I did not commit this sin in the garden. But we have the result of this sin in our lives. And as we have the result of this sin, we are not necessarily punished, but we can look at it as we are given this opportunity again to return and to be restored to the state that we were originally created to be. Now Jesus, who came into the world, He is the Word of God and the action of God, and He is the final action of God the final act of God for our salvation. After Jesus Christ rises from the dead and the, the epistles are being re- written, you hear the language of St. Paul and St. Peter and St. John saying, these are the end times. These are the last times. And they're the end times and last times, not because something's going to happen quickly, but the only thing left to happen in our salvation is for God's return. This is the only thing that is left to happen. And, and so important is this idea of the Word of God that in the 400 plus years before Jesus Christ came to earth, there was complete silence from God. There were no prophets. There were, no, there were none who spoke the Word of God in the land. And this is important because God was setting up creation for that, for that coming of His Word. And I was thinking about this today when Joshua was reading the Gospel of the Sixth Hour. The Gospel of the Sixth Hour begins and it says, um, and, and he, uh, there was a multitude, right? And when he saw the multitude, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, it says his disciples were gathered. And then it says something very funny. It says, and he opened his mouth and spoke, saying, why would the gospel writers say he opened his mouth. What's the big deal? Is that detail very important? And the importance of that detail is that God had not spoken to the people for 400 years. And now in this we hear the voice of God. God, the Word of God, is opening His mouth and speaking again to humanity. Now when we say, what is the Word of God? When Jesus came, He spoke the Word of God. He Himself is the Word of God, and He spoke the words of God. Now, some of those words were written down in the Gospels, and so we have our Bibles, and we can call them, call it the Word of God. We say the Bible is the Word of God, but it's not the same Word of God as Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. And you and I can speak the words of God, 
But it's not the same as the word of God, the second person of the Trinity. And it's not the same as the words of God that were spoken originally. The words of God, and when we speak about the word of God, we're speaking about relating that which was brought to us by Jesus Christ. So when we speak the word of God, it's supposed to take the person to Jesus. And Jesus takes us to the Father. So the word of God that is pronounced, the word of God that is spoken, is directing us always back to the Father. It's always bringing us back to the Father. St. John, we're studying in the Bible study on Tuesdays, we're studying the first epistle of John, and, Saint jo- and he writes, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we heard, and of course, which, which our eyes have seen, which we have looked upon, which we touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, that which we saw and we heard, we proclaim also to you. And so the word of God becomes the proclamation of the gospel. And there's another technical word from that. We learned logos, and now this is a kerygma. This is another popular word, Greek word, but it's used in the English. Kerygma is the proclamation of the word of God. And this word of God is what raises Lazarus from the dead today. The word of God that created us from the beginning recreates us again through the church. Now when we talk about the preaching of the word of God, it is not the word of God unless the Holy Spirit works in it. So now we have the Father, the Son, who speaks to us about the Father, and the Holy Spirit who works in the words. Otherwise, it's just human words. If you saw today in the Gospel, or sorry, in the Acts of the Apostles, about this funny story about the seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish high priest, who they tried to cast out demons. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. But those are empty words because the Holy Spirit is not filling them. Just because we say the words of God doesn't necessarily mean the Holy Spirit takes form in those words. And so we have to understand that the Holy Spirit works within the words. And of course, anything that Jesus did, He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit of Trinity right there for you. Uh, We can get into that a little bit more later on. But most importantly, and probably the major point of today, is that the miracles that were performed by the power of the Holy Spirit after Jesus had spoken something or had said something, the miracles were supposed to establish the words that Jesus said. The miracles were supposed to be a sign that what Jesus had just said was true and right and should probably be followed. So when he says, I am the resurrection and the life to Mary and to Martha, and then he raises Lazarus from the dead, then we go back to those words and he says, yeah, he is the resurrection and the life. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and the sign that went with that was the feeding of the 5,000 in the Gospel of John, we say, yes, he is the bread of life. And, and, and more importantly, it's not just about what happened 2,000 years ago, but what happens now in the church. The sacraments are the sign of the Word of, and the power of the Word of God. 
So when Jesus says to us, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we have baptism to be the sign of those words. This is what we do in the church. This is why we come to church, because the word of God is surrounding us. The word of God, we are uh, in, you know, kind of, the word of God is like the cloud of incense that's in this room. It's all around us. It's working in us. And what we accomplish in these sacraments is through the power of the Word of God. So in the liturgy, what we just are finishing now is called the Liturgy of the Word. How many of you went to Catholic school? No? So in Catholic school, it's, it's good for understanding. It helps. They, the way that they explain things is very good and it's, it, it matches what we do as well. So the Liturgy of the Word is what we're finishing right now. And then we're going to start the Liturgy of the Faithful, which is, at the end of it, we partake of the Body and Blood of Christ. And like I said before, the Liturgy of the Word finishes with us receiving the Word of God with our ears, and the Liturgy of the Faithful finishes with us receiving the Word of God with our mouths. But the, word of, the Liturgy of the Word that we're doing now, the words are fulfilled in the action. The words of God transform us into participating in life with Him. Let me say that again. The Word of God transforms and changes. And, it, and what we're doing here is that it's transforming us and changing us so that we can participate and be united with Him again. Remember what I said in the beginning. We were united with Him in the garden. Then we fell. Then Jesus Christ came down to reunite us. And the power of the Word, the power of the Word of God in this reuniting is accomplished in our sacramental life here in the church. So what God wanted from us is, is happening in the church through what we do in the church. Now, <clears throat> I brought a nice book. Power, power of the Word in the Worshipping Church. It's a little technical. Um, written by uh, John Breck, uh, published at SVS Press. The Power of the Word, he talks about interpreting the Word of God and then how we live and act and, and kind of live the Word of God through the sacramental life in the Church. And as he uh, writes in this, I'm going to give you a little quote from him. He says, Although the Word of God, the Word, capital W, finds expression through the liturgy, like we, we speak about the Word of Life and we speak about the Word of God, it only becomes the Word of Life when it leads us to repentance and to participation with God, when it leads us to be converted and to be in communion with Him. We can say this a different way. When we partake of the holy mysteries, when we partake of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the body and blood of Jesus Christ can only fulfill and sustain us as Christians to the degree, are you listening? To the degree that the Word of God is actualized in our lives. So we come and we partake of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. This is neither magic, nor is it something that we are taking a blessing of per se, 
This isn't in the Arabic language baraka, right? right? We take a picture. That's baraka. You know, we 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 go and we do tamgid for a saint. That's baraka. That's a blessing. We give money to the poor. That's a blessing. But when we partake of Jesus of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we are uniting ourselves with God. And this is not something to be taken lightly. And when we unite ourselves with God, we are only uniting ourselves with God to the degree that it is being actualized in our life. And how do we know whether it's being actualized in our life? Through how we follow the commandments. St. John says, St. John writes the words of Christ, If you love me, keep my commandments. And as we were studying in the Gospel of John, or the, sorry, the Epistle of John on Tuesdays, to know God is to follow His commandments. We follow His commandments through reading the Word of God. The Word of God is actualized in our lives. But the Word of God can only take us so far. We're not tearing off pieces of our Bibles and eating it, right? We can't be united with God in a physical way, in a metaphysical way, without partaking of the sacraments. So it is coming, the two together, uh, you know, kind of in a circle. We come reading the Word of God, deepening our knowledge of the Word of God, partaking of the Word of God, only to return again and to, to be in His image and likeness in the world. And all of this from today's readings is to establish within us, and again, go back and read this, establish within us, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? And St. Paul is saying, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. And when St. Paul says the word of the Lord grew mightily, what does that mean? We say that at the end of every uh, um, Acts of the Apostles, the word of the Lord grew mightily. More pages were added to the Bible? Jesus said more words? No. It's the power of the word of God in the people of God. That is where the word grows and is mighty. And this is our what we're supposed to take. Remember that first... Uh, sermon I gave a couple weeks ago in this month Abib, don't let your minds be what? a sieve or a colander don't let what you hear in church just pass through you and life is the same as, as, as when you came in you're going to leave in the same way it can never be that way every time we come in contact with the word of God whether it be spoken written or, or in, in partaking of holy communion we are coming in contact with God Himself and that's supposed to change us, to, to, to convert us. That change is not going to be instant. It's not going to be automatic, but it's something that we have to persist at constantly, understanding what we have received, holding on to it for as long as possible. One of the writers, uh, that I've read, one of the books I read about Eucharist said, our goal is to hold on to the Eucharist for as long as we possibly can to hold on to that body and blood in our minds and in our hearts if we can make it from Sunday to Sunday holding on to that for as long as possible that is excellent but at the same time as we're holding on we're preparing for it again by reading the Bible by studying the scripture by making sure our actions are the same our actions are the same as what we see written in the Bible. Are we in the image and likeness of God? Are we following what we were created to be? Or have we been 
uh, are, we, are we actualizing the life of God within us? This is what we have to work on and establish, with, establish in our lives. And I'll leave you with a very famous quote by St. John Chrysostom. In his homily on 1 Timothy, homily 10, I believe, he says to us, there would be no need for sermons if our lives were shining. There would be no unbelievers if we were true Christians. Right? And now I'm not trying to put us down or shame us. I'm trying to encourage us in what we do to act the Christian life, to be true Christians. We'll change those who are around us. We'll change the environments of our homes. We'll change the environments at work. We'll change the environment wherever we live, our neighborhoods, if we can live that true Christian life. To God be the glory, now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. Amen.